You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, everyone. I'm Ashley, your host. I'm so glad you're here. If you're listening to this live time and you are in the U.S., happy Thanksgiving. For those of you that are not in the U.S., happy Thursday. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. We have an awesome guest today, friends. So I'm really, really lucky and really grateful that I get a lot of books, a lot of spirituality and health and wellness books sent my way um, for people to be on the show. And there's, I love reading them. I read most of them. And so many of them are really helpful at like that self-healing space, at, you know, astrology, lots of different things. But this one really stood out because it was really different. And today's guest, Lisa Marie Rankin, really breaks down goddesses. And I love this concept of going to a goddess for a particular idea or a particular challenge or just wanting some extra oomph in an area of your life, there's a goddess for that. So her book, The Goddess Solution, um, is so unique. I think such a great gift if you're thinking about the holidays for a spiritually curious human. And I really loved learning from her about self-care, about utilizing goddess energy just to be goddesses ourselves. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. A quick reminder before we get to the interview to make sure to sign up for the self-care challenge starting on December 1st. So the self-care challenge is us getting together in community to take care of ourselves. There will be a number of brand new practices coming your way via email. There'll be bonus episodes, free workshops, giveaways, and just so much more. So if you want to get in on the action, make sure to sign up for my newsletter. If you're already on the email list, you're in friends. You're going to get all the details starting on December 1st. But if you're not, check out the show notes and make sure to sign up so you can be a part of the fun. And then finally, friends, if you're looking for a unique holiday gift coming up and you want to support a small business, I would love to gift a cosmic self-care one-on-one session with you or a loved one to really break down your astrological chart and the specific placements that can help inspire your self-care routine. So in these one-on-one sessions, we sit down for an hour together on Zoom, we look at your chart, and we come up with tons of ideas for different self-care practices that really really fit you that are personalized to you and then ways to actually implement them and then from there I write up a self-care plan again totally individualized to you so that this can actually stick and you can feel full in your practices really ready to take on the holidays so more information on a one-on-one session with me again I'd love to share the holiday goodness with you as a small business thanks so much for your support thanks for tuning in every week if you're not already following along you can follow us on Instagram at 
Yoga Magic Podcast, and I'm at ashleysondergaard.yoga. Let's get to our conversation on the goddess solution with Lisa Marie Rankin. Welcome, Lisa. So excited. We've been connected on the internets and I love your book. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thanks for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I know I love how we can connect with so many people on the internet now, as much as we say that the internet and social media has its definite drawbacks, it all has some major advantages as well. I I agree. And it's like, we can choose how we how we interact with that and with like the world around us. And we can call in people through that, that channel. It's really just like, we're creating our own reality, right? It's, it's a matter of how you use it. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So Lisa, can you tell listeners about just a little about yourself, like who you are as a, as a human, um, definitely you can touch on career, but I always like to know like who you are. Sure. So, um, my name is Lisa. Lisa Marie Rankin. Um, I guess first, foremost, when you ask like who I am, the first thing that comes to mind is I'm a mom. I have two great children. They're like, how old are they now? They're, they're <laughs> oh, just about just about 13 and 15. They have birthdays coming up in a couple of weeks. And, you know, so I think, um, so that seems to be, that's probably my top priority right now, you know, ushering these little deities into the universe and making sure that they have the tools and resources they need to be happy, healthy, and successful. And then I am also a spirit, just a spirit seeking woman trying to make sense of this life and everything that we go through on a day to day, like the good and the bad. And, you know, really there is no good and bad, right? It's all sort of learning opportunities and learn, getting the opportunity to learn more about ourselves and just trying to understand how we can make the best of this experience best on our time in this earthly realm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you always been interested in spirituality or is this something that like came as you grew up? I have always been interested in it. It seems it's funny. I came from a very non-religious family. Like Mm. we were, we were brought up, I was brought up Christian, I guess, but by that, I mean, we celebrated Christmas and Easter. We, I never attended church. I think I did go to a Catholic high school, but that's just because everybody, that's where people went in my Mm -hmm. town, a lot of them, but I was always interested in spirituality. And I think I started to look more into Buddhism once I was in college and I I was very interested in sort of the Eastern tradition and then started to get involved in yoga more right after that. So it has been a part of my life. Like I always thought that there was something more. I was always very interested in Marianne Williamson. I used to listen to her lectures when I used to commute into work. You know, I think I over and over for like 10 years. So those have probably had quite an influence on me, but I wouldn't say there's one specific spiritual tradition. I mean, I think the more you look at them, the more they all start to come into one, because I think they're all, there's universal truths that they all start to point back to really kind totally. of mastering your own mind and creating your own reality. As you just said, what we do in social media. And I think that that's really a big part and realizing that we're not mere individuals, but we're connected to a larger whole. Mm-hmm. So it's always been important to me, but I would say in the last, you know, five or 10 years, I've really started to dive deeper into it and also start teaching it myself. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I love to hear that. Like your commute, you'd listen to Marianne Williamson. I actually like Gabby Bernstein was sort of my first spiritual teacher. And and obviously she's a, she's a student of Marianne Williamson. And like, I remember driving home from work, maybe this was like five years ago and just weeping, listening to Gabby. And like, I, it like, it kind of changed the course of my life, like that moment. And, you know, these journeys, they kind of sneak up on us. Like all of a sudden, like, Oh, here we are now. (laughs) Talking about spirituality. 
I know, no, the, it is really interesting, the things that we're drawn to and when we start to kind of listen to them and then it does, it really changes our course and it changes our beliefs and what we want to get out of life. So it's interesting. What's your sun, moon rising? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> When's your birthday? What's your sun sign? Let's at least. August 2nd. So Leo. August 2nd. You're Leo. Oh yeah. yeah. So like your book is bright and shiny. People are going to notice that. Notice you. I love that. Okay. Yeah. That helps sometimes for me to understand. I don't feel very extroverted. I feel much more introverted. I'm not a shy introvert, but yeah, I can't say I love being the center of attention, but. Well, you know, what's funny. Too? Well, obviously your whole chart is part of it, but Leo is so creative. And I think that's not something that everyone talks about the like really need to be seen part of Leo, but Leo's so creative. And like, in order to write a book, you need to be like pretty, pretty creative. Right. I do feel that I'm very creative. Like I have yeah. like more ideas like that. I want to like programs. I want to create books that I want to write that if anything, it's too much. And I'm like, okay, reel it in, focus on reel one thing in. today instead of like, you know, post-it notes all over around me. That's the, that's the vibe we want. Like that feels so good. It'd be like, I have so many ideas. I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So your book is, I, I've loved it. Can you tell listeners what it is, like how you decided to write it. Um, I mean, really just your journey. I know you highlighted in the book, but I'd love to hear it from your perspective. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'll start by telling folks a little bit about the book and then how I came to write it. So the book is called The Goddess Solution. And really it's a practical spiritual guide. And what I wanted to do is show women how we could take inspiration from these ancient goddesses. So brought across traditions and cultures and see how their myths and energetics are still very applicable to our modern day lives. So like relationships, parenting, sex, divorce, money, like I would try to keep it very, very conversational because I feel like there's a lot of books about goddesses and they can tend to be a little bit like esoteric or a little bit heady and you don't really know how to relate to them in modern days. So I really wanted to show that you know, we have a framework. There's almost a guide if we look into these different types of these different goddesses that can give us a clue of maybe how we can move through challenging situations or just the different types of energetics that we could embody to feel, feel our very best. So that's what the book is all about. So I really consider it kind of like practical, spiritual self-help guide. Yeah. So it has about 30 different goddesses in it. And I always say you can read it from front to back, or if there's different things that you're dealing with in your life, you could skip directly to that goddess. Yeah. And what brought you to this place to, to write a book about the goddesses that we can really just honor and engage with? Like, how did you decide to get to this place? Yeah, that's sort of interesting because as we were just talking about, I've always been interested in spirituality for a long time, but I hadn't actually spent a lot of time considering goddesses. You know, I had a little interest in the back of my mind. Like I got a few books, but I never really opened them. And then Towards my, the end of my 30s, when you, I had was recently divorced, well, I think that was at like 40, but around that time, the early 30s, the beginning of 40s, when I was going through a divorce, and I started to feel like a little bit unmoored. And I remember just looking for all of these things outside of myself to feel better. You know, I was paying a lot of attention to my appearance, like thinking like, oh, I want to make sure I'm still desirable. I was drinking more than I would normally drink, you know, I mean, not excessively, but habitually, like Mm -hmm. get home from work, have a couple of glasses of wine every night, you know, just 
starting when I was starting to date again, really like wrapping up my worthiness on whether like I was going to get a text back from, you know, the latest man du jour. And I started just to feel like I'm really outsourcing my power. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't feel like a goddess. And then that kind of like, hmm, like, I wonder what a goddess feels like. And I really started to do research. And it was sort of like this aha moment that I had just been outsourcing all of my power and everything that I was looking for, whether it was like through my appearance or through alcohol or through men was really just ways to try to make me feel better about myself. And that wasn't anything that any of those things could clearly give me. So it was really about kind of coming back to myself, learning more about what would make me feel more confident, more whole, and remembering that I was powerful and I could direct the course of my life. I wasn't dependent on others or external factors to make me happy. And I know that can sound kind of cliche, but you know, when we like know it comes back, but I think sometimes we do get in this hamster wheel of looking for all of thinking that if I just get this, then I'll be happy. Or if mm-hmm. this just works out, then I'll be happy. And we keep kind of outsourcing our power instead of kind of bringing it back. And as I started to like learn more about the goddesses, I was like, wow, this really provides us with a framework or a different perspective of how we can feel about ourselves, how we treat ourselves and how we can approach life. Outsourcing power. Like that's a beautiful way to describe it. I was, I was literally just working with a coach on this yesterday myself on just what's the intention behind you're talking about like appearance, right? If it's something that, you know, you want to dress like for your day and you're feeling strong, you're feeling sexy and all the things like, yes, heck yes. But also like on a personal level, I was noticing, I'm like, I can't even, I felt like I needed to like change clothes and start to, to look presentable, quote unquote, to like pick up my kids from school. When in fact, like I just wanted to wear my sweatpants. So why wouldn't I just wear my sweatpants? Stuff like that. Right. Or it's like, why am I caring about this? And there's intention you know, what is the intention to our appearance to like the alcohol conversation totally been there as well. It's like, why am I, am I escaping something right now? Or is it just because this feels so good? Yes. It's like asking that question. So I'm, I'm totally with you on the outsourcing of that power. Yeah. And I think you're, you really hit it too. It's like, what's your intention behind right. it? You know, like, so it's like, yeah, if you want to wear a fun, sexy outfit and feel good, you know, great. But like, if you're feeling like you have to get dressed up yeah. to do something, that it's really interesting. The same with alcohol. Like if it's like, okay, I'm going to have a couple of drinks with dinner tonight and it's going to be fun. But when you're habitually doing it and you're not really thinking about why you're doing it, like a lot, you know, it really comes down to intention. And I think a lot of it is with these behaviors, whether it's drinking, whether it's obsessing over appearance, maybe it's compulsive shopping. I know for some people it's eating. It's like they're numbing behaviors to some Mm -hmm. extent because we're trying to distract from something else that might be going on. And that's a lot what I work with, with my students and some of the women that I coach. It's kind of, it's like, we have these behaviors that really prevent us in some ways from getting at what we truly want or truly desire because they act as almost a mask. Mm-hmm. But I love the idea of looking to a goddess, to that energetic, to that, that guidance to course correct, really to just draw on some, some additional power. And, and I noticed that your book has different categories of like abundance, like sex, like what is it, you know, I I'm wanting to feel more sexual in my age of 35 and like be a badass woman. Like I can go to your book and find a goddess that has that. Can you talk a little bit about like what your intention was for women, like how they would use it in that way? 
Sure. Yeah. Well, that was definitely one of the intentions. So if you were under, like, if you wanted to call in a particular energetic, and I actually want to get back to the sex one, but I just wanted to kind of give an example. So the, you know, all the goddesses represent different characteristics and energetics, and we're going to gravitate towards some goddesses more than others, of course. Like I always say, I'm more of like the love goddess or creativity goddess, but you know, sometimes we have to deal with conflict. We have to deal with confrontation and standing in our truth. Now that doesn't necessarily come easy to me, but when I do have to do that, it's like I could call on the Hindu goddess Dorga, who's the goddess of courage and strength. And we remember that even if we don't have those energetics, we can tap into them. They are available to us. We can do that by considering the goddess and considering her myth. So it's not just the goddesses that we naturally relate to, but it's also the ones that we need to call into our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about, because I love to use astrology to really navigate um, self-development and self-care. And I'm feeling like there's probably very specific goddesses to look at for like each astrological sign in terms of like, I want more creativity. As a Leo, I want more creativity. That makes total sense that you would be drawn to that particular goddess. Yeah, I love that. That's fun. Yeah. And then I just wanted to get back to you. So you had mentioned like, yeah, how do we like the goddesses for sexuality? So there are a couple Mm -hmm. of the goddesses for sexuality. I think I have Lalita, who is a Hindu goddess and Freya, who is a Norse goddess. And I think that's an important one because I think sometimes it takes a woman a while to really embrace her sexuality. Totally. And that doesn't mean being sexually active. I think, you know, many women are probably sexually active fairly early on, but we can start by always feeling like it's a gift we're giving to our partner or somebody else, or maybe, you know, you know, from my experience, you know, you get into these sexual relationships thinking you're going to get something in return, whether it's the relationship or the feeling of being loved, but not embracing your sexuality for, for what it is, for our ability to like have pleasure and connect with another human being and reconnect with yourself. And I always say that, you know, sex is a great way to connect with the divine as well. You know, it can be like a little mini enlightenment experience as well. So I have a, the goddess Freya I really love to talk about because she was like shameless with her sexuality, you know, and she kind of just, she just wore it as a badge. She didn't really hide behind it. She wasn't like, she would be able to ask for what she wants. And she was really able to like, just kind of own her desires. Like, and I think that's what, like, when we say shameless, that usually it's usually derogatory. Like, oh my God, that person was shameless. But when you really think about it, like one, we know shame isn't good. And two, like what's wrong with owning our desires? Like what's wrong with knowing what we want and being able to ask for it without being embarrassed by it. And I think that that's just really kind of a great reminder because I think we do have a lot of shame about asking for what we want, whether it's sexual or whether it's just something else that we want, whether it's more abundance or, you know, something else specific, but Mm -hmm. kind of being able to like tap into that feminine power where it's like, yes, I want that. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay telling folks about it and getting that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I never thought about how negative the word shameless is when in fact, like, of course we want to be shameless without shame. It's such a low vibration. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. So you talk early on in the book, just what it's like to live a life embodying that goddess energy, right? What what does that in your words look like? What is someone who is just really connected to the divine, to goddess energy is living their fullest life? What does that look or maybe even feel like is the right word? It's interesting. First, there's two words that come to mind and 
maybe they're related, maybe they're not, I guess we can see, but one is vulnerability because I feel like for a good portion of my life, like I always thought it was very good to have this like facade of cool, calm and confident, like whether I was or actually or not, but it was just more this facade that, you know, I'm like untouchable. Nothing can bother me. I always thought that that was like the direction that we wanted to go in, but then that always kind of keeps you at bay with others and just enjoying yourself and really understanding what it is that you want. And again, being shameless and getting your desires, right. Because you don't want to fear disappointment or making yourself look weird. If you're always failing this facade. So I say vulnerability, but maybe it's like, I also mean authenticity, like just getting comfortable with who you are and being able to express that fully you know, being able to tell someone how you feel, whether it's, I love you, or whether it's like, I don't want to be in a relationship with you anymore, but kind of knowing what it is that you want, and being able to express that without knowing what the outcome would be. I feel like that's like, part of the goddess. At the beginning of the book, I talk about when we're young, we kind of have that energy intuitive. We do. Oh my gosh, yes. That's (laughs) Like we want to play, we want to connect. When we're upset, we cry. When we're mad, we tell someone why we're mad. And then it seemed like, at least for me, something happened where it's like, oh, I should just, you know, be more of this facade or this veneer of cool, calm, collected. But then it starts to break down and you're like, who am I? Whose life am I even living anymore? And it's again, kind of then starting to peel off those masks and really rediscovering who you are in a more authentic level. Hello, Yoga Magic friends. I just wanted to pop on here to take a moment to encourage you to join the December Self-Care Challenge. So for 31 days, we'll be working together in community to commit to self-care. This is a totally free challenge and it will be jam-packed with free workshops, weekly emails, brand new self-care practices, bonus podcast episodes, giveaways, and a whole lot more. All you have to do is join the Yoga Magic email list. And if you're already on the list, you're in, you're doing it. But if you want to be a part of the fun, make sure to head on over to the show notes and sign up. Again, this is totally free, just a way for us all to get together and practice self-care in community. I look forward to seeing all of you at the self-care challenge on December 1st. Mm. kids are so smart. I like as I an adult, I sometimes when I'm emoting, like I laugh. Cause I say it's a temper tantrum. Like I'll throw a little bit of temper tantrum when I'm actually like, you know what? This feels really good. And like when the yeah. kids do it, it's like, it's just part of them growing up. They're just letting those bottled up emotions out. And I'm like, yes, you do. You I'll just, we'll be here. <laughs> like when you're done, please don't yeah. do it at target, but like, yeah, you know, it's just, they're smart and they, they feel, how do you, no, you know, knowing what you know about this energy and embodying this goddess energy, how do we potentially teach our children to stay in that, in that freedom, that early vulnerability? How do you, I mean, this is, I didn't prep, prep you for this question. <laughs> what do you think? Well, it's interesting when I have two children and it's interesting because, you know, I'm always like kind of telling them, like, you know, giving them a spiritual perspective from, totally. that, you know, that they, and, you know, they're kind of at that age, like, especially my daughter at 14, like, mom, I don't want to hear all your spiritual stuff. <laughs> I'm going to get that soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My son is actually a little more receptive to it, which is a little bit more interesting. Um, but, you know, but I think it's funny. We had this conversation the other night when my daughter was like thinking about what to wear to a banquet. And she's like, is this too dressy? Is this too this? And it's kind of like, well, what do you feel like wearing? You know, like, let's not worry so much about what everybody else is doing. Like, what are you going to feel good in? And I think it's just kind of reminding them. And again, like 
at a certain point, they're going to be looking towards their friends and peers more than us. Like we can look, we can try to give that example and hopefully we're doing it all along. But I think it's just really reminding them as well too, that, you know, it's really important how you feel. Don't do things for other people, but really be able to do things for yourself and your feelings are okay, no matter what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good reminder. And just, yeah, what do you want? What do you want to do? As long as it's not I don't know, dangerous. <laughs> like, right. And it's just like, yeah, kind of, because I think, especially, and I remember with that age too, I don't think it was a particularly fun time of life, you know, because you are so concerned about, she's a freshman in high school. This is oh, her first yeah. year in high school. Yeah. Just, re- and she actually seems to be handling it much better than I did when I was a freshman. But I remember being very much preoccupied at like, you know, what other people thought of me. And I think that's just, that could just be part of our growth and evolution, but it's really kind of remembering too, just to, consider how you feel and what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. Come back to that like early childhood. Like we just do what we want and it's awesome. And, and yeah. then you like find it again as an adult. <laughs> you do, isn't it? Yes. I guess it's kind of cynical. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. What other goddesses you mentioned Freya, which other ones are like your go-tos when you are, I guess, which are your go-tos and how do you work with them? Like, do you meditate? Do you honor them? Like what's your practices? Sure. So one of the goddesses that um, I worked with a lot is Parvati and she's the Hindu goddess of love and devotion. And what I love about Parvati is that she's in a relationship. She's the Lord Shiva's wife, but she's also her own woman. She's also, you know, she's devoted to her own spiritual practice. She's a yogini in her own right. So she's connected but she's sovereign. And I think she's a great goddess. Like if you're trying to enter a relationship, because sometimes, you know, like after I got divorced and it's like, we're looking for others to maybe complete us, or we're looking for certain things, but we haven't cultivated those qualities within ourselves first to really remember that our most important relationship is the one that we have with ourselves. And I think that that's just a really good one because I like how it's, you can be in a relationship, but still be a sovereign woman. And I think Absolutely. it's sometimes, and I know it's been hard for me as well too. Sometimes you want to merge completely. Like as women, we're watery creatures, you know, and we like that feeling of merging, but also kind of keeping those boundaries and just keeping that feeling of wholeness on our own. Mm. So then when you work with her, is it something like, do you just kind of think of her and like when you leave for the day, like embody her energy. I I love to get specific on on specific practices for people to try on. What do you like to do? Yeah. Well, I think for some goddesses, like Parvati, I actually have a little Parvati statue right here. Yeah. Yeah. Parvati statue. I think it's really meditating on her. So considering those energetics. So like if we consider Parvati's energetics, it would be love. It would be sovereignty. It would be empowerment, wholeness. So like you consider the goddess's qualities, start to meditate on those, really understand, feel them where they show up in the body and really kind of focusing on that. So it's kind of pulling those energetics into the body. Mm. Does that make sense? No, like it when totally you start to understand does. the qualities and then kind of like, okay, like we have all of these qualities from all of these different goddesses. Some of them lie dormant, right? But we can start to access them as we start to think about them, start to think about how they feel in the bo- body. We can start to visualize like, okay, if I have all of these and so one of the reasons too, I've worked with Parvati is I know like in sometimes in relationships and I've been in a wonderful one for the last four years, but the first year is very anxious. I had a lot of relationship anxiety and 
you know, that a lot of that is from early attachment. So I really worked with Parvati to kind of remember, like, I'm already whole, like, we don't need another person to complete us. So really kind of thinking of like, well, what would I act like when I felt like that? You know, so sometimes we have to visualize how we would be once we have these energetics. And it really, it does really start to help, but it's a practice. Oh, that's a good idea too. I love to do like visualization on like my high self or authentic self. Like what does that, that entrepreneur mom look like, you know, in my mind and pulling in the energetics of whatever particular goddess, like I could, could really benefit from. I love, I mean, really it's like, I use the word expanders, um, like someone that shows you what's possible. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like that. And it's funny because I have, um, I have a lot of my students and some of my coaching students do like an inner goddess meditation, which is that too. It's kind of like, what is your fully actualized embodied self looks like? And maybe this is you in like 18 months or five years, but like really starting to visualize who is the person yeah. that you want to evolve into? Who's the person you want to become? So a lot of the ways that I work with the goddess is similar to that, really kind of understanding their energetics, how they feel inside of me and what would my life be if I fully embodied those energetics? Mm. That's a good segue to my next question. What are you manifesting? Like, what does that look like for you? You know, your book is out, you're working as a coach, like when you're fully, not fully evolved because we can never really be, but like (laughs) in those, that next stage of life, like, what does that look like for you? Well, I want to continue doing what I'm doing. So I'm so passionate about all of this. And it's interesting. Like I was in corporate America for a good portion of my life. I, about two and a half years ago is when I left and started really kind of diving deep into all of this and writing my book. Uh, so right now, this is so exciting to me. It's like I work a lot, but it's not mm-hmm. even work to me because I just think it's just so much fun and there's so much creativity to it. So I'm going to continue to go forward with that. I have lots of ideas for different programs as well. I have one program right now called the goddess solution masterclass which is a six-week program and it's really a deep dive into my book where we look at different six different goddesses and where the book is really about the myths and how they apply to modern day lives this goes really deeper into the practices like i teach some ayurveda concepts to really nourish Mm -hmm. your body we do shadow work we do a lot of different meditations So I really want to continue kind of growing that program, but then also offering more specific programs as well for women for like different problems that they're trying to, trying to resolve as well as write another book. Yeah. Going deeper into all of this and hopefully offering more helpful tools to women to really feel their most enlivened and authentic selves. Yeah, we need that. There's a lot of spiritual entrepreneurs that listen to this show. What is it like? writing your first book? Like what are the, what were some of the challenges that you experienced and like getting it to act, you know, to to publish and all where you're at now, it seems like, yeah, you did it, but I know there's so much going into it. Right. It's, it's interesting. So as I mentioned, I'm kind of introverted. So writing the book wasn't that challenging for me. It's like, especially the way that the book is laid out. I imagine some books are more difficult, but these are kind of a collection of essays, you know, Mm -hmm. there's 38 goddesses. So maybe that makes it slightly easier, you know, to write. And I mean, it was a lot of work, but I think as, as an entrepreneur, the tougher part for me has been like promoting it. Like, you Mm. know, it's like, I'm not, I don't consider myself very good. And I shouldn't even say this word at sales, but as an entrepreneur, right? Like we have to, we have to share our services. We right. have to be able to promote it. And I think there's probably a lot of people within this in this spiritual spiritual world 
that have that same problem too. It's like you have all of the stuff that you want to create, but then when you have to kind of get it out there, there's also it's that's another skill to have. So it's really been working on that skill too to better promote the book. Mm-hmm. How about the publishing process? Is that something that like, I don't really understand how that worked. Did you self-publish or did you, are you with a publishing company? I am with a pl- publisher. So Harper Collins published my book. So yeah. Okay. And that was, um, that was interesting. So this was, um, I had started a blog on medium. I'm not sure if you're, if oh, you're yeah. familiar, <laughs> your audience are familiar with that platform, but it's um a platform where there's anyone can post their blogs and, on medium and it, it's a wonder it's a beautiful platform and I had never shared my writing with the world and then one day I'm like I'm gonna write a blog about goddesses because I really want you know it, I was writing it to help make sense of the situations in my life and I really thought it would provide women with like another way a framework of making sense of the difficult situations in their life so I just wrote two essays the first one was on Kali the goddess of breaking through the status quo and that was about mm-hmm. my divorce and then one was Lakshmi who's the goddess of abundance that was also about my divorce, about the divorce settlement process. And I submitted them to a medium publication and I never really expected to hear back. And then about two weeks later, they were like, we love your essays. We'd love to do a series on, you know, a full series. And I was like, you would have thought that I had won the lottery. I was like so excited because I had never shared my writing with the world. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And so I started writing the goddess essays from medium and they're, they're still on medium if anybody would like to see them. And I got an email one day, it was like Harper Collins calling. And they were like, uh, the editor was like, oh, I found your, you know, your essays on Medium. I love them. I really wanted to do a book on goddesses. Would you be interested? <laughs> and I was, of course, you know, at first I honestly, I was so shocked that I got that email. I'm like, is this spam? Is this one of these like yeah. things like give us $20,000 and we'll pub, you know what? I don't know. I thought it, I didn't know what it, but then I'm like, well, Harper, it looks like a legitimate email address. And it, it was. So that was really exciting to me. So oh. I had a wonderful editor who like walked me through the whole process and, you know, everything got done. I mean, I still did a book proposal. And interestingly, I had gone to a workshop like several months before that was called Get Clear on Your Main Idea because I did have the idea of a book. So I already actually had like the draft of a book proposal in place. So I think that's also, once we start getting these ideas, I always like tell my students, like when we get these little creative bursts of inspiration, those are really yours to follow. You know, those are a gift to the divine. So sometimes we try to brush them aside to be saying like, that's not practical or that's silly. But when we start to follow them, I really do think doors start to open. Totally. You know, we start to, we start to meet more people who are aligned with the vision of where we want to go. So it's like, I had put the idea out there. I started the blog, I took the course, I had the start of a proposal. So it came a little quicker than I had thought, which was great, but that's, that's how it worked. I love that. I love hearing people's journeys into how they get, you know, they get to where they're at because we, we just show up like, Oh, here's the podcast. It's ready. And there's, you know, obviously there's so much behind this work and people are, are figuring out what their, their paths are too. So to see what's possible to hear that, you know, you can write something from your truest place in your heart on medium. And like it manifested a book. That's amazing. Right. And I was really, I had wanted to start, I tell people, I wanted to start a blog in like 2013, but I was always like, oh, but what am I going to write about? Or if I wrote about the things I wanted to write about, like, what would my children's friends' parents think? Or what would the woman in my community think? Oh my gosh. I think if I'm like going to be talking about like sex and money and dating, (laughs) like, you know, so I really held back. But then when I did, I'm like, well, 
I knew enough about writing to be like, well, if this is going to actually appeal to anyone, it has to be vulnerable and authentic. So I kind of just laid it out there. There's yeah. still a few things where I'm like, well, did I really have to tell that? <laughs> but it works. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. I'm like, if someone were to ask me what I do and be like, well, I have a podcast about self-care and I love astrology and I work with people on that. I'm like, what? They're going to be like, what's happening? So it's just, <laughs> you just have to write. You said be vulnerable, like live in your authenticity. Right. Yes. I think, yeah, that just being able to put it out there and like, you don't know the reaction you're going to get. Yeah. They might be like, oh, well, I don't know what that is, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lisa, this is so fun. I love, I love hearing about your journey and I love the book. Can you just tell listeners what your practices are? Like you're outside of the work with goddesses. Like what are your self-care practices? What do you do to love on yourself? Sure. So um, I am a student of Ayurveda. I'm also an Ayurvedic wellness coach. I love the Ayurvedic morning practices. Abhyanga, which is body oiling, I think is just such a beautiful practice. And I know for many, they're like, I don't have time to oil my body. But really, once you start doing that, and especially if you're, I'm in Massachusetts, so it's getting colder and drier now. I think you're also in a location where in Minnesota, it is. Yes, I'm like, (laughs) we're like, we're humidifying it up now. We're there. (laughs) <laughs> it just feels so good, you know, oh, and it yeah. really like, you know, it has so many great, wonderful physical benefits as well as like emotional and spiritual benefits too. What so kind that, of oil do you use? I'm just, I'm just curious. I use sunflower oil from okay. Bunyan Botanicals. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes I use jojoba. Do you use that too? Or like I, do I have you... used that as well too. Okay. Yeah. Sunflower and jojoba listeners. That's uh, self-massage. Right. Cause the, there's a difference between when you pour it over your head versus like give yourself a, are there, those are different Ayurvedic practices, right? Well, there is another Ayurvedic practice where you have it like, it's like oil right on the forehead and yeah. it's kind of like, it, it like streams down. So though that is a different practice. Okay. Part of Abhyanga though, could be massaging the oil in your hair. I always okay. say, don't do that. If you have someplace to go like that, could be like <laughs> a good, because it does take a little bit longer to get out. So generally when I do Abhyanga, it's like, you know, kind of up to like the jawline or okay. so. Okay. So that's definitely a practice that I love. Um, Meditation. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been doing more. It's funny. I'm a yoga teacher as well. And I've been trained with vinyasa yoga. So that's generally the yoga that I teach and practice. Although I have been more drawn to kundalini practices lately. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing some Mm -hmm. more of those online. And I really like the kundalini meditations and mantra meditations. So I have, I find myself kind of gravitating more towards the kundalini practices, which I'm complete beginner at, but I'm really enjoying them. Do you have any teachers that you like online? I think a lot of people are curious about Kundalini, but it's hard. I mean, I don't know that a lot of teachers, even within the Twin Cities, there's a few, but it's sometimes hard to find. Do you have anyone you really like? Yes, I do. Um, J Dev. I think it's, okay. let me just see if it's. I'll link it up. J Dev Singh, S-I-N-G-H. Okay, cool. So, that. Yeah. And he has, um, he had, he had a great free training that really kind of got me into it more as well too. So that's good. Cause we don't, even though I'm right outside of Boston, we don't have many Kundalini places where yeah. you can actually go to either. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Lisa, this has been great. Can you just tell listeners where to get your book, how to find you on Instagram, all the good things? Sure. My book, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or most places that books are sold. If you like to shop at your local bookstore, you could request that they get it if they don't already. You can find more about me and my programs at lisamarierankin.com. And I'm also on Instagram at lisamarie.rankin. Awesome. The book is called The Goddess Solution. Highly recommend. Probably this is going to come out in 
mm, a little before the holidays, friends. So like, I feel like this would be such a good gift to give to your other spiritual girlfriends or like, you know, family members that are, that are open-minded in this awesome way. So thank you, Lisa. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to our amazing guest, Lisa Marie, and to all of you for tuning in every week. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Give us a little shout out on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast and consider leaving a five-star review. We'll see you next week, everyone.